Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where are you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who are trying to figure out what to serve for Christmas dinner. Dare I suggest a little goat cheese? That's delicious this time of year. Welcome to Datitude episode number 37 for on Monday, December 20th, 2021. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at The Advocate, The Times-Picayune, and bet.nola.com. And I have only five words to describe what I saw last night. Are you kidding me? It's the same thing Tom Brady had to be saying to himself as he, you know, stared out into space from the bench with that incredulous look on his face. You see that? It had to be what he was thinking when he smashed his tablet behind him following an interception by C.D. Deuce. Clearly pissed him off just about all night long. Wasn't that fun? I mean, C.D. Deuce can really, really tick some people off. First, a programming note before you get too excited. The two holiday weeks, we will only have two shows this week and next. Both on Monday, like today and Wednesday. There'll be no show on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. I'm sure your guests don't want to hear me. I don't know. Maybe if we win, they might. I don't know. Hey, tell them about Datitude. Just about 15 minutes, Times Picayune sports columnist Jeff Duncan is going to join the show and try to describe what we all saw last night and the improbability of the performance as the Saints shut out Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 9 to nothing. Are you living under a rock? You know that already. If you recorded it and you haven't watched it yet, I'm sorry to ruin the surprise. That is actually the score. Before that, I will have my dime coming up in just a moment. And I'll try to put it into perspective how unlikely of a victory this was. Because in itself, just winning would have been one of the most unlikely victories in Saints history. That, that's accurate. But how they won has to put it in the top five for sure. I'm talking all-time. Certainly all-time regular season victories. You know, so my wife, who I thought didn't really pay attention to anything I say or do on this show, I mean, we've, we've been together for 16 years now. You know, she used to read my stuff and say, oh, that was a great story on so-and-so. Now it's like, uh, did you see that story on Ponchatoula making it to the state championship game and blah, 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 and I don't read that crap. You know what, you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, after a while, they don't care what you do when you're not at home. But last night, moments after the game was over, she asked, so what's your song going to be now? So I guess she is paying attention a little bit. I guess that means I'm going to have to pay, uh, be more careful about what I say, you know, wink, wink. But it was a great question, you know. For those of you who've been listening to the podcast for any regular amount of time since we started back in September, first, I say thank you. But you know that I try to come up with a song the day after a Saints game to, I don't know, capture the mood of what happened the day before or the night before. This one was easy. It popped right into my head. It's a little cheesy, but it fits. No, not maybe we will win. The Saints did win by zero. They won by nine, but they certainly were saved by zero with that offense. They won in an even more impressive fashion than they won last year when they played the Bucks on Sunday night football. And you may ask, 
how that is, considering that was a 38-3 complete destruction of Brady and company. The difference this time, it wasn't that big of a surprise the Saints won the game last year. Sure, a 35-point victory was anything but expected, but, you know, Drew Brees was clicking from the first moments of that one, and Tom Brady was a bit shell-shocked, never could get anything going. On Sunday night, the black and gold came in as 12-point underdogs. The first time in the Sean Payton era, they were double-digit dogs. And Tampa Bay had a chance to do something they hadn't done in 14 years, win a division title. And they had a chance to do it against a team that had won the crown four straight years and had humiliated themselves in three prior regular season games. Who in their right mind expected anything but the team in red and pewter to walk off the field with their arms raised and the Saints' streak officially coming to an end. I certainly didn't. And I said that many times throughout last week. I had my song prepared and in the queue. I was going to sing Blue Christmas along with Elvis. Thank God you weren't subjected to that. But seriously, let's go through a few pieces of what made this performance even more improbable than last year's blowout victory. First, it's been told many times, unless you went to bed right when the game was over. Brady had not been shut out since December the 10th, 2006, more than 15 years ago when he lost 21 to nothing at Miami. His streak of 255 straight games without scoring a point ended well shy of Drew Brees' mark of 313 starts without a shutout loss. That had to make Saints fans happy, too. I mean, he's broken every other record already. It was the only time, it was only the third time in Brady's career he had been held to zero. The other time came in 2003 at Buffalo, which means this was the only time in his 21-year career as a starter that Tom Brady was shut out on his home turf, wherever that turf may be. In fact, the last time Brady was shut out, according to the NFL's research department, no current active defensive player had entered the league. And not only that, Brady has now been held to single digits twice since the final regular season game of the 2014 season. Think about that a minute. Let that sink in. Not only not shut out since 2014, But he had only been held to single digits twice since the end of the 2014 season. A course of 139 games, that includes the playoffs, and both of those games now have come at the hands of the Saints. And as far as more recent blips that make this more improbable, not only had Tampa Bay won eight straight games at home dating back to last season, They had scored 30 or more in seven straight at the Pirate Ship and 44 or more on three occasions. His home stats this season before Sunday night, you want to know what they were? 325 passing yards per game, 22 touchdowns, and only four total turnovers. That includes fumbles. Sunday night? 214 yards, obviously no touchdowns, two turnovers, and he was sacked four times. He had a passer rating of 57.1, which is 47 points lower than a season average of 104.2. Only one team in the NFL had a winning regular season record against Brady before last night, and that was Seattle, which has only played him three times. The Saints are now 5-4 and four against Brady in the regular season. 5-5 five and five overall. So just the Saints in Seattle have a winning record against Brady in the regular season. Everybody else, bad. He's only been swept by an, a season, by an opponent twice in his career. Twice. Think about that. He's been starting for 21 years. He plays the same opponent twice in a season, four times a year. I mean, I'm no math expert. That's 84. 
84 season series in his career, he's only lost to the same team twice in the same year. The Saints both times in 2020 and 2021. Can you think of more improbable victories in Saints history? Where does this one rank for you? It's got to be in the top five, right? In the Sean Payton era, one can make a case only the Super Bowl ranks higher. Simply then, because the Saints were seven-point underdogs to Peyton Manning and the Colts and were, were obviously playing in their first Super Bowl in franchise history. No question that game was much more significant. And you could make a point more unlikely. In team history, maybe the 2000 playoff victory against the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner and the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, which just so happened to be the first postseason win for the Saints in their 33-year franchise history. That's where this win ranks. Maybe just below, below those. Not in importance, but in improbability. Not to say that it's not important, because as far as the season goes, it most certainly is. We'll get to that in a minute. Had someone asked me before the game the odds on the Saints winning this game, I would have said, I don't know, 4-1. to one. Had someone asked me the odds of the Saints shutting out the Bucks, I would have said about 200-1. to one. Had someone asked me the odds of a shutout and winning with Kamara having 46 yards of total offense and the Saints offense going three and out on five of six possessions in the second half, not counting the roughing the punter penalty that extended the final drive, I would have told you 10,000 to one. Seriously, 10,000 to one. Hell, had someone told me the final score would be nine to nothing, I would have told you. There is no way the Saints are only going to give up nine points, much less win nine to nothing. The great analytics people computed before the game that the Saints would have had a 12% chance of making the playoffs had they lost. Now they say it's 42% where they come up with that number. I have no idea. And that is before the football team and Philadelphia Eagles face off on Tuesday night. If Washington can upset Philadelphia, the Saints' odds go up significantly. All last week, we talked in the show after they lost to the Bucs. Everything we said. After they lost to the Bucs. After they lose to the Bucs. One could only hope they could find a way to win the final three games, get a little help, and sneak in. And I have to admit, you know, I didn't really give that a snowball's chance in Tampa. But now it is a realistic possibility. It's not like before when it was a hope and a prayer possibility. It, it Look, I mean, it's just as likely that they get in than not get in. So imagine this, however, and I don't want to be a Derry Downer. I'm not trying to live up to my nickname. I really don't. But imagine how tough it's going to be for fans not to think the next three games are in the bag. I mean, come on. It's Miami on a Monday night in the Dome, followed by Scammy Cammy and Company and the Left 4 Dead Panthers in a finale at Atlanta, a city the Saints would rather clinch a playoff berth in more than anywhere else on earth other than New Orleans. Think about that. So if it's that tough for us to think about how easy the next three weeks are going to be, how will the players respond after beating up on the defending champs again and being so dominating in doing so? It's easy to be a doubter. I mean, it is, at least a little bit. When you think about games against Atlanta, the Giants, and a five-game losing streak, we talked about how blowing that 10-point lead to the Giants would come back to bite the team later. And maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But pardon me, despite how incredibly improbable Sunday night was and how incredibly enjoyable it was, if I remain just a little bit skeptical. There's an enormously long, bumpy road ahead to get to the playoffs. 
And that would be a major victory for this team, no matter what happened afterward with all the things that have happened this season. Look, I'm not telling you to not to enjoy the victory, but to be realistic. And as skeptical as I remain, it sure beats how any of us would have felt had Sunday not ended up as one that likely will remain in the memory banks of Saints fans for years to come. And that's my dime. Yeah, I mean, let's be excited about it, for sure. Let's, um, even the new dads, go wear your sweatshirts out when you're finishing up your Christmas shopping or you're doing, you know, you're making your groceries or doing whatever, getting Christmas dinner ready. But let's be realistic of where this team is. I mean, defensively, that was um, that was a once a, at, the be- at best, a once a season performance, more like once every two or three season performance. I don't know what Dennis Allen said or did or whatever. I don't know if they used Sean Payton not being there as a rally cry. I don't know if they... If there's something about the looking at the smug Tom Brady and his TV special and his series and whatever that just gets him and says, you know what? We're as good as he is. And you could say whatever you want. They found a way to get in his craw. He hates playing this team. I mean, I'm going to go back to what I said in the, in the beginning of the dime. Did you, did you see his face sitting there staring out into space? I mean, this is after he threw the tablet. I mean, just staring into space. Like, what in the holy blankety blank is it about this team that I can't figure out? And I don't care that he lost his two receivers and he lost Leonard Fournette. He didn't lose them just because they just happened to twist an ankle. The the Saints pounded the holy hell out of those guys. And if you think that wasn't in the game plan, get real. The Saints may have been as more physical last night as any team I've seen all season. And in, in a second half of a season with major upsets, including yesterday and Detroit beating Arizona. This one tops them all. Again, not so much because they won, but because how they won. Nine to nothing. I mean, all we've been hearing all, all, we, all year long. Up, oh, Tampa Bay played at home. They won 30 to 10. They won 44 to 16. They won whatever. You don't shut out Tampa Bay. And you certainly don't shut them out at home. Two games now in the Tom Brady era played at Tampa. The Saints have allowed three points. What kind of odds could you have gotten on that? I mean, really. I mean, last year's game probably ranks in in the top five of improbable victories. Again, I'm not talking about just the fact that they won. The overall encompassing just entirety of the game. It's insane. I I just nobody could have saw this coming. I don't even think the Saints could have saw this coming. They might have really thought they were gonna win. I think Jim Mora and uh Lance Moore said they predicted him to, to win. I don't think anyone else did outside of people that work, that get paychecks from the Saints. I I just don't. Not realistically. Even Abdul and the Magic Carpet Ride couldn't have seen that coming. Before we get to Jeff Duncan, who'll be on in just a moment, um, I did find some things that were interesting last night. You know, all this talk about the defense and the shutouts. I found it interesting, you know, every time Taysom does anything bad now, I get 
text out the wazoo. Everybody. Oh, you didn't text me? It's only because you don't have my number. No, I'm not giving it to you. But, I mean, people, please. Taysom was playing with neither of his tackles. And even Tampa Bay's backup receivers as a unit are better than what the Saints have right now. Think about it. I mean, besides Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith is, I mean, he lost his helmet more than he was targeted last night. Adam Troutman, I'm, look, I keep defending that kid, but he's got to learn how to catch the ball. Nick Vanette dropped a big pass. But why are people, I mean, even in a win, they can't, uh, the taste of haters got to come out. He was 13 to 27 for 154 yards. No turnovers. Passer rating was nine points higher than Brady. Brady had both his tackles and everybody else along that line. He had, again, his receivers didn't go out in the first quarter. They didn't score. Mike Evans didn't go out until towards the end of the second quarter. They didn't score. Leonard Fournette was out there until halftime. They didn't score. Ronald Jones, who was a starter until Leonard Fournette stole his job, rushed for 60-some-odd yards. They didn't score. Taysom Hill played better than Tom Brady last night. Period. So quit texting me. Quit texting me. Sean, Sean Payton, the, the offensive genius in the NFL right now, was at home watching the game on TV. Dennis Allen and a lot of other people came on and interviewed last night. They made it clear. The game plan was once they got ahead, they weren't going to do anything risky on offense, and they didn't. Now, don't get me wrong. To say the play calling was conservative would be an understatement. And sure, I would have liked to see seeing the defense get longer breaks. That makes the shutout even more incredible. We talked about five of six three and outs. Four in a row at one point. How in the hell did they keep going out there and, do, and doing what they did? But the offense in Taysom Hill, they did what they needed to do to win. Absolutely did it. They did not give the ball away. He almost did once. But they didn't give the ball away. And he made smart decisions. And he wasn't going to give any chances to give the ball away, except for that one pass across the middle down about the 10-yard line. The safety came up and hit him in the hands. That was a mistake. But other than that, I don't think he made a lot of mistakes. You can bet the playbook. You can the playbook. You can bet your whatever books you want to bet that the offense is going to be opened up a bit next week, a week from tonight against Miami. It's going to be interesting. Miami coming in on a six-game winning streak. They started the season one and seven. They're now seven and seven. Now, who they beat is not all that impressive in the grand scheme of things. But um, I don't remember who said it last night. Uh, one of the shows I was watching, and they're right. Um, in the NFL, you win six games in a row, it really doesn't matter who you beat. You win six games in a row, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I think even if you played the Jets six games in a row and you won all six, it would be impressive. And the Dolphins are playing pretty good defense right now. The Saints going to have... They don't have to have the, the, the shutout kind of effort that they had last week. But, um, uh, last night, I should say. But they're going to have to get in on Tua. And they're going to have to shut down a decent receiving core. And they're going to have to cover Mike Kosicki, who's a good tight end. And they're going to have to find a way to open things up for Taysom against, a, again, a pretty stout defense. So... 
That's all things we'll think about probably beginning tomorrow. And things we'll talk about maybe on Wednesday and certainly next Monday when we do our Saints-Dolphins preview. But let's get to Jeff Duncan. Um, I have not seen anything he's written this morning or last night. I was busy getting ready for the show this morning. and uh, So I'm interested to hear what he has to say because I know he predicted a score similar to the one I predicted. I thought it would be a waxing. It was anything but. Let's hear what he has to say. Welcoming into the Datitude podcast, the Datitude's best friend, Jeff Duncan, is on this morning. And, um, Dunk, interestingly enough, you and I have not talked this morning. We didn't really talk last night, but I recorded my monologue um, before uh, you come on. And right after I'm done, I get an alert about your column. And it sounds like you're going to say a lot of the things that I said this morning How about how, to me, it, maybe not the victory itself is one of the top five more improbable victories in Saints history, but the, of how they won. The only thing, the only games that I even think that compare in Saints history are the Super Bowl victory because they were seven point underdogs and they were playing Peyton Manning, who at in his prime, and uh, it was the Saints' first appearance in a Super Bowl, and then maybe the two thousand. Uh, game against the Rams in which they won their first playoff game in history and how they won that game. And the, to me, those are the only two even that you can even argue. I think other than that, as far as regular season goes, I think this is number one. Well, you know, I wasn't around back when, uh, you know, the Dome Patrol days. Uh, I don't know if you were. I, I can't remember if they ever went to San Francisco and won a game like that. That's kind of what probably would yes. be comparable. Yeah. But I was there when they – when they beat the Rams both in 2000 and 2001. And that was similar. I definitely remember because you had an offensive juggernaut, huge superstars, uh, Super Bowl champion team. But um, considering you have Sean Payton on the sidelines and you're missing four pro bowlers uh, on offense, and you knew the only way you could win that game, there's only one way you could win, and that was the defense just played lights out and you made just enough uh, plays on offense to scratch out a few points. And that's exactly what the Saints did. I mean, it, you knew what they had to do, and they and executed it. And to do it in Tampa on prime time, after, you know, weeks of everyone talking about how the Saints owned the Bucks and owned Tom Brady, and then to still go down there and do that, yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it, it was even more impressive than those Rams wins to me. There was a there was another one during the Dome Patrol days too, and it was I, I was just trying to think back. In fact, Jim Mora being on the show, the the Channel Six show after last night started bringing some memories back into my head, and he said it was one of the most impressive victories in Saints history. I thought back to, and I, I guess you weren't here back then. I think it was uh, it had to be eighty seven, the year that they won nine in a row, but they had won three in a row. And they were playing Bill Parcells and the Giants at home, a summer all Madden game. Um, and the Saints had never won four games in a row in team history, ever. In the team's history, they had never won four games in a row. And they were going against a Super Bowl caliber Giants team that I think at the time was like eight and two or somewhere along those lines. And Lawrence Taylor and everybody, and they demolished them. They, they beat the heck out of them. And, um, so th- that one, and it's easy to not think back to, you know, 35 years ago, but that's about where the, the, this is. And, um, you know, all the numbers, I had to go back and do some history, but one of the things I said in my monologue as well, here's another stat for you when it comes to Tom Brady. Since the end of the 2014 regular season, not only had Tom Brady not been shut out, but 139 games, he'd only been held to single digits twice. Saints last year, Saints this year. I mean, that's unfathomable. It's only happened twice in 139 games. You've been held to single digits. Yeah, and it, both of them came against the Saints, and that's why, as crazy as it all was, it's not a fluke. You know, there was nothing fluky about it. When you watch the not game, you just realize. I, I remember talking to our colleague Rod Walker about midway through the third quarter, and we were trying to determine our column subjects and he was like well you know i hope it doesn't turn around you know you know the the, the dance right. play right you're not sure if you want to start writing 
And I said, Rod, I don't, I don't think this is going to change, man. I mean, we're, we're watching complete domination, and I don't see any way the Bucks, especially when they had a few of those injuries to the playmakers, there was any way they were going to move the ball. And, and I was having a conversation with, with Peyton this morning about it, just uh, about how dominant the effort was. And uh, he pointed out that they had a game like that, if you remember, in 2006 against the Giants, where I don't think the Giants crossed midfield in the whole game. They had like a long touchdown, like an explosive play, but they never got across midfield. This felt like that game. I remember that game. That was a big uh, big game for Reggie Bush on the ground. But this game, the, the Bucks didn't run a single play inside the red zone for the Saints, and they only ran three plays inside the 36-yard line. All night, 73 plays, and you have the number one offense in the league. They were averaging 31 points a game. That's so it insane. wasn't just that they shut them out and held them to, held them to zero points. They, they shut out the best offense in the league. And that, that context is important in this. And, and, Dunk, not only that, to me, you know, last year it was a little bit different. Not only did you have Drew Brees, but you start off hot, you put them in a big hole, they get frustrated, and it's it, it was a lot easier to do it then, right? Last yeah. night – the defense was on the field the entire second half. I mean, the entire second half. There were five of six possessions for the Saints were three and outs. And so you kept, you kept saying, watching the game, you were like, they've got to get a first. The Saints have to get a first down just so the defense can rest. And it didn't seem to matter. It didn't matter how much they were on the field. They, they kept coming at him and coming at him and pounding him and, and throwing him off course. And he hates throwing while he's on the run. He's got to roll out. He throws the pick to, to Gardner Johnson there at the end, rolling out to his right. Hates that. I mean, it, it just it, that to me, all these things adding up. I mean, it, the Saints couldn't move the ball either in the second half, but yet the defense, they didn't care how tired they were. They were going to get to him over and over again. And, and the Saints offense knew once they got that lead, they just needed to manage it. Correct. Right? So that's what I said. One thing to right. pay some did do was he didn't turn the ball over. He almost threw that one pick, uh, but at least it was down in the red zone to where you know, he got aggressive there. I guess that's the time to do it, but he wasn't going to make that mistake on his side of the field and give up points. So they really executed the formula to perfection. They knew exactly how they had to win that game. And the special teams were lights out too. I mean, they played yes, they were. It was great. Uh, Maher, the kicker, was great, yes. and their coverage units were great. So they just they knew they, their margin for error was minuscule, and it was just a flawless execution. And and I'm, I'm writing a column right now about about how Peyton wasn't there, but his fingerprints were all over that game plan, and 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 you could just see uh, the Saints knew exactly what they needed to do to pull that game off. Uh, it was just incredibly impressive, given all the circumstances that were involved, and and really. Until it was nine nothing, you never really felt like. I mean, you may have maybe feel differently, so I'm not going to put words in your mouth. But I never felt like the game was. I mean, they had to get that last field goal because I mean, if 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 you get, I don't care who's on the field. Tom Brady's only one score down, and yep. he to me that's a different drive, different kind of feeling. If it's six nothing instead of nine nothing when they got the ball with four minutes left, and you're like here we because Saints fans look. I've been a Saints fan since I was born. Uh, you just see it. It's going to happen. You, you, mm-hmm. He's going to drive down the score. They're going to give you a heartbreak. They're going to lose seven to six. When they kicked the field goal and they made it nine to nothing, I'm like, I, I think they're really going to do this. Yeah. I, I, you know, you never know. I mean, we all know the Minnesota miracle. I don't want to conjure up that bad memory, but oh, yeah. that's all it takes. So is one slip, right? On defense, one missed tackle. And a guy goes, takes it to the house and you lose. Uh, so the saints, uh, really never allowed that. I mean, they didn't really allow Tampa Bay to get any explosive plays. I think they have one gain over like 23 yards in the whole game. This was another stat that I came up with, J.D., that kind of blew my mind. The Saints had three gains in the whole game over nine yards. So, so they had like a 17-yard catch, a 33-yard catch, and a 40-yard catch by Marquez Callaway. So they did just enough, right? Each one of those kind of helped set up a field goal. So they did just enough offensively to get down there and score, uh, and uh, that was the difference. Otherwise, it was just a bunch of little butts uh, on offense, and really Kamara didn't do a whole lot in that game, and no. I thought he was going to have to have a big game, but he didn't. Uh, so, look, just a remarkable win. It, it, it Now it puts them in the driver's seat 
for a wild card berth. I, I mean, you can't slip up. They've got to bring, I think the most important thing going forward, they got to bring that type of energy on defense every week. Now, th- I'm not sure that's possible, but it's got to be close to that. They've got to play that way. We've, we haven't seen that kind of energy, the body language, the intensity from this defense in a while. Uh, and frankly, that's where the letdown was. I know the offense is what it is, J.D. The defense has talent, and they're healthy. They were all 11 starters of field healthy. They've got to do that and carry this team the rest of the way. There's no doubt about that. And Kamara, 46 yards of total offense. If you would have told me the Saints were going to win, Kamara was going to have 46 yards of total offense, I would have told you you were out of your box. Right. I mean, I, I mean, and you too. I mean, you and I predicted pretty close to the same thing. I mean, I, and you're right. I mean, the fact that it had been repeated over and over again to the Buccaneers, you have not beaten this team. They've demolished you, and it's Tom Brady, and you got to be thinking – did you have you ever seen Tom Brady with a look on his face like the one he had staring out into space last night and in the last after that last drive before he went out there for the final drive that didn't matter really and he sat there staring out into space like what in the hell is going on here? Well, you know what I think when I see that I think deep down in his brain he thinks, man, I wish I would ended up with the Saints. You know, he almost came to yeah, the Saints. Maybe so. He's got Don Yee uh, as his agent. That's Sean Payton's agent. That was going to happen if Drew had retired in 2020. And who knows what we would be oh talking about here. Brady, no kidding. Uh, being the successor to Breeze, you know, that, that would have been crazy. But I think he, he sees and knows deep down the Saints coaching staff, they've got it all over the Bucks. I mean, that is the one area when you watch these two teams play, the Bucks have no answers. And I don't blame the talent on the field as much as I blame that staff. I mean, at some point you got to be able to produce something and they look like they have no answers for how to attack the saints offensively. And I think Brady, that's the look I get, uh, or at least that's my read on it when I watch him and, and like that. And you're right. I don't think I've ever really seen it like that at least as consistently as it's happening against the saints. I can tell you one thing had Tom Brady come to the saints Michael Thomas would have had off-season surgery, but that's a whole yeah, other, right. that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, so, look, there's there's no look. I mean, Zach, you and I were texting each other last night at some point, and he's asking why Tampa Bay's going deep on third and shorts and stuff. And and you know why? Because Bruce Arians, I don't care what anybody says, and I, I'm not asking you to to say what I'm about to say, but Bruce Arians isn't a good coach. He was just blessed with coming into a situation with outstanding personnel, and he was able to manipulate it uh, to a Super Bowl victory. You had Tom Brady. But I just, I can't, I, I do think about it a lot. I mean, if Tom Brady had come to this team, and again, I've said it over and over again, Drew Brees earned the right to retire when he wanted to retire. Um, he should have retired a couple years ago, but that's on him. He earned the right to retire when he wanted to retire. But yeah, man, it would have been quite the ride to see Tom Brady with this team because I think the Saints team last year was at least as good as Tampa Bay's. And this year is a different season with Tom Brady and Michael Thomas and whatever else, and things go differently. And then we might be talking about Saints back-to-back Super Bowls. Well, I got one for you, J.D. That, that seven wins now, second consecutive wins in the regular season against the Bucks, And the Saints have now done it with four different quarterbacks. Yeah, Bridgewater beat them in, in 2019. Obviously, Drew's beaten them. And I count that as a Trevor Simeon win. I guess you could count it either way with Jameis starting that game. So you could say five in, quarterbacks, really. In a way, yeah. It just shows you the mastery the Saints have over them. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I buy into some of that, like, owning a team. But there's, if there's ever a case of that happening, it, it's, it exists with the Saints and the Bucks because – Clearly, the Bucks went all in on that game. They were prepared. I read every word they said this week, and you could tell they were ready to play, and they just got whipped. I mean, they just got whipped on both sides of the ball, and they had no answers. That O-line of Tampa Bay's had dominated everyone they played this year. Yes. I mean, clearly. Really good. And they were, they were not hurt. They were all five intact, and I pointed that out. Yes, they lost their playmakers, but their offensive line is really good. And they were all intact, and they were getting dominated. 
up front. I mean, the Saints only used a four-man rush almost all night. I think they brought pressure maybe one or two times. Not often. Instead, they, they let the four-man rush, and they got after him, and it was just it was remarkable to see. Jeff Duncan here on the Datitude podcast on this. Oh, it might be ugly outside, but it's beautiful inside on a Monday morning. Um, I, Cam Jordan was just – that might be the best game I've ever seen Cam. And, look, Cam Jordan – obviously has played some outstanding games as a saint in his career. And I don't think it's close. He and Ricky Jackson are one a and one B in this team's history, as far as defense goes. And I think that was the best game he's ever played. And he certainly maybe that week off from COVID fired him up or something because he looked like he was 25 years old again and not 35 or whatever the heck age he is, because he looked like a youngster out there. And he was a man among boys. It was really, I, at one point in the game, I started thinking, okay, uh, you know, I'm on the Hall of Fame committee, as you know, I'm wearing my Hall yeah. of Fame selector. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is a Hall of Fame level performance. This is the kind of performance I can talk about in the room to the other members of the selection committee. I don't think you're going to so have to convince see. anybody that Cam Jordan belongs in the Saints Hall of Fame. Well, you, you never know. I mean, you never know. It, it, you know, Sam Mills, I've had trouble getting getting traction with him, and I you're think kidding. Sam Mills deserve, deserves to be in. Uh, uh, and I feel like Cam Jordan is one of those guys that's going to be on the fence. Uh, now he's got over 100 sacks. Uh, he certainly deserves it, don't get me wrong. But uh, these small markets that we – sometimes we face an uphill battle in that perception – and everyone saw that performance last night. And that was against Tom Brady, <laughs> the number one offense. And I agree with you. He, he kind of was the microcosm of the whole Saints defense. I was like, where has this been all year? Where, where is this, this the, the explosiveness and the, the suddenness that they played with? They didn't, they weren't missing tackles. You know, we've seen them miss tackles all year. And it just seemed like everything clicked. Now, can they duplicate that? That's going to be the challenge. I mean, they got a good Miami team coming up. They can't afford a slip-up. But if they if they win out, they're in the playoffs, plain and simple. And they're going to be favored in all three games. So can this team, you know, pull that back together when they're favored? We know when they're underdogs. I mean, I've been all week talking to the Saints players about being 11-point underdogs, and, and they relished that. They're very rarely in that role, much less – 11 points. I, I think the last time they were that big underdogs was uh, at the end of the Katrina season. Yep. January 1st, 2006. Been, yeah, they've never been this big underdogs under, under Sean Payton. Uh, so in that role, when they're discounted and their backs are to the wall, man, they thrive. You could just see it. Now, can they can they do that when they're favored? I mean, that's been, been kind of the, the MO for this team to, to let up and lose uh, to the Falcons or the Giants. Uh, can't happen now. Before I go into the future, real quick, let me digress for 30 seconds while I'm thinking about it. Why in the heck is someone wearing 57 on this team? Yeah, well, they don't – I've asked many times. They don't they, – they say they, being the Saints – They retired say eight. That the, league, the league frowns upon retiring jersey numbers. I, for one, do not believe that. I think that's some kind of company line. I don't know why they don't retire jerseys in New Orleans – uh, they've never even retired Archie Manning's jersey. Uh, it's just unofficially retired. No, <laughs> no one's wearing wearing eight or nine. No one's right. ever wearing eight not. or nine again. But they don't officially retire it, and it makes no sense to me. If you're going to do it unofficially, right. you might as well do it officially. Uh, but, uh, you know, and you look around the league, J.D., there's a bunch of teams that have numerous players' jerseys retired. So it, you think it anybody's no wearing 12 again in New England? Right. No. And then they're not going to wear number nine here. And and I tried to write that story, actually, during training camp because no one was wearing – this was back – remember this year with the COVID, uh, you know, protocols, there was way more players on the roster. So you get over 90 guys when you start talking about guys that are hurt and they're bringing in players over 90. That leaves very few numbers available. And the two that stood out were there was no eight and there was no nine. And they were the only two single digits – where there wasn't a player on the team. So I wanted to do that column, and the Saints would not let me talk to the equipment manager uh, for that column. They did not want the publicity for that, which still irks me to this day. But it's going on, and everybody kind of knows it. Well, no one should wear 57. I'm sorry. I mean, I know I'm biased, and I'm 
old school and I'm a codger. And I think like my parents used to think probably, but whatever. No one should wear 57. I'm sorry. All right. I digressed enough. Uh, you talked about what I said at the end of my dime. I mean, I'm sorry if I remain a little bit skeptical. Don't get, again, I don't know how many ways to say it. I was wrong about la- last night. Um, I, you could have told me any kind of way you wanted. I wouldn't have believed that they were going to put up the kind of performance that they put up. The defense was the best I've seen. And they played well at times throughout the past couple of years. But that was as good as I've seen in, I don't know, maybe top 10 all time as far as Saints defense performances. But if I remain skeptical, it's because I've seen this script before. They've lost to the New York Giants. They lost to the Atlanta Falcons. And they went on a five-game losing streak. I, I, I've got to see it again. And you're right. If they, if they go 10-7, and seven, there's a 98% chance probably they go to the playoffs. I mean, theoretically, the Eagles and Niners could win out, and that would probably keep the Saints out of the playoffs. But the likelihood of that happening is not likely at all. The Vikings, I guess, as well. But um, to me, this is the big one. I, I don't see them losing to Carolina or Atlanta. I just don't. I mean, Carolina is a, is a, is a mess. Yeah, and, they're playing out the spring. Yeah, and they're not going to go to Atlanta and lose with a pl- with a playoff berth on the line. They're just not going. I don't to. think so either. So this, to me, this is the one. Um, if you it, so talk about Miami and the and the problems that I don't, we don't see Miami a whole bunch because they're not on national TV um, all that much. And if you, I mean, I have the Red Zone channel, so I see them quite a bit. And Brian Brian Flores is one of the the names to me that doesn't get mentioned enough. I know they started out one and seven, but I think he's outstanding and he falls from the Belichick tree. So this one kind of makes me nervous a little bit. Well, they've won six in a row uh, after starting one and seven. That's remarkable turnaround. I watched a lot of their game yesterday against the Jets and they didn't come to play. You'd think they would have after coming off a bye week, uh, having a lot of incentive uh, to get to get back in the playoff mix. But they, they screwed around for three quarters in that game and yeah. almost lost it. Um, I think if the Saints' defense brings it the way they did, they'll give Tua all kinds of problems. He struggled yesterday with turnovers. He's very limited. I just don't see how Miami can, can successfully move the ball up and down the field against the Saints if they play with intensity. But, man, they haven't played well at home in a long time. I mean, their record at home, the Saints, is – Pretty bad right now. So they need to they need to get this thing together. It'll be a prime time. It's going to be a big game considering both teams have a lot on the line. And I'm with you. I think Flores is a terrific young coach. When I watch the Dolphins play, I see a lot of the same things you see in New England or New Orleans with with the great, um, you know, just they don't beat themselves. They're smart. Uh, so it's going to be one of those nip and tuck kind of games. But I think the Saints – uh, defensively uh, can pull this thing out just because of their uh, they're healthy on that side of the ball. Really, literally everyone over there uh, in the starting lineup is, is, is healthy. And that's only the, that was only the second game last night, all season. They've been that way. What do you do offensively to, to open things up again? I don't think people understand again, the people that were texting me last night, I don't think they have a clue. Um, it had nothing to do with Taysom. Sure. He missed on some passes, but he also had some drops. I thought Trotman dropped a pass. I thought Nick Vanette made it. I mean, it would have been a tough catch, but Nick Vanette should have caught a, a long pass that would have added three more points to the score at the yep. minimum. Um, so I thought Taysom played well enough. I mean, I don't think he played great, but I think he played well enough. And you got to remember, he's only three games into a starting career now um, after, you know, missing time with the concussion and all that sort of thing when he didn't even know he was going to be the quarterback. So what do they do this week to obviously – Kamara didn't ha- have to play a whole lot last night. And you noticed, to me, he wasn't even in the game a lot in the second half. And that also was by intent, obviously. I don't need anyone to tell me that. I don't need anyone to tell me, as long as we don't need Kamara, we're not going to use him. And I right. think there's going to be a big dose of Kamara on Monday night. Yeah, and I think they've got to get Teron Armstead back. I mean, they got to get one of the tackles back. I noticed yes. – you know, they flipped Jordan Mills to right tackle last night. I thought that was a smart move. Uh, Hurst played well. I thought the offensive line played really well. Yes, considering, I did. You know, considering what, who they were going against. They were going against one of the best front sevens in the league. No doubt. And they more than held their own. they got to get one of the tackles back. And in talking to the Saints offensive coaching staff, uh, 
they will tell you the hardest thing they're doing right now is trying to game plan without the two tackles. More than not having Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara. They can scheme up some of that stuff. But it all starts up front, especially with those tackles. They're, they're not just starters. They're pro bowlers. You know, they're dominant players. And so they, they've said, hey, if we can get one of them out there, we can kind of move things around and scheme behind them. But without both of them, that's, that's the other thing that was impressive last night. They won the game without their starting tackles. I mean, that's just hard to do. So I think if they get Armstead back, uh, they'll be okay. Uh, and they can kind of go heavy on the ground, mix in a little bit of Callaway. I thought Callaway played his best game last night. And Troutman, I think, is going to come around. Troutman's not not near 100% too. I mean, he can't run uh, after that knee injury the way he was. So uh, he's gutting it out. Uh, but they need they need to, any chance they get JD, they got to come down with the ball. They're they're not going to get very many of those. You're right. So in games like that, they need to make those plays because they just don't have a lot of uh, margin for error on offense. I am still convinced that Marquez Callaway is going to be a star in this league. I, I mean, I, I really think that when they find a way to get him the ball, um, that he's going to be. And again, I got friends who are casual observers, not like us who watch film and go back and watch the game over again and stuff like that. I think Adam Troutman, I think is going to be a great tight end. I really do. And I know he's young in his career. He came from a, uh, a school where they don't play big name opponents um, so this is all new to him. He's not used to being on TV every week. Um, it's easy for young guys to, to make mistakes. I, I still think he's going to be a great tight end when, when uh, he gets in there. I know it's frustrating to Saints fans, but there's a lot of hope for this offense. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think they're nearly as far away as everybody thinks. I mean, I've had fans text me or tweet me and say, Oh, you know, we need to overhaul the offense. I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. I mean, Mike <laughs> Thomas will be back. Callaway will be back. I mean, they, they could probably use a, another speedy receiver so they don't have to rely so much on Deontay Harris. But uh, they're not far away at all on offense, especially with that offensive line. Um, we so, didn't even mention I'm Deontay Harris not being there. I mean, that's another one. No. I no, mean, it's big. I mean, he's a, he's an explosive guy. And, I this think he's a kid. A yeah, he, he did well. He's a good little player. I mean, I, I saw that in training camp. I was like, this guy's got some wiggle. He looks sure of himself. He never looks, you know, shaky back on pump returns. Uh, I like that kid. And so I can see what they see in him as well. And um, look at just look at how, how Tampa Bay struggled, how mightily they struggled when they lost their playmakers. And the Saints have been pretty much doing that all season long. So you can see it's not that easy. It's not that easy to pull off. There's no doubt about it. Um, Dunk, just uh, before we let you go, obviously it's going to be a weird week. It's a holiday week. Um, here on Datitude, we only have shows uh, Monday and Wednesday this week and next week. So uh, give me your your thought. I mean, do you think the Saints going to Look, to me, and I've said it, this again. I've said this a, a bunch of times this year. It doesn't matter what the Saints do potentially if they get in the playoffs. If they lose in the first round, so be it. Getting to the playoffs for this team would be a major win considering what they've gone through uh, with the injuries. Sean Payton missed the game, COVID issues. Your starting quarterback is out for the season with an ACL in, in the middle of the season. Your, your prognosis, are this, the Saints, do you think they're going to win the last three and go to the playoffs? I think that they'll win at least two of them, and I think that might be good enough to get you in. Nine and eight still could get you in. Ten and, ten and seven. Yeah, I think they will. I actually do. I think they've gotten new life and new. They now have a carrot at the end of the stick. You know, you can see the way they're playing. And I agree with you. Getting the playoffs, you never know, man. I mean, you just don't know. This team has shown. I mean, they've beaten the Aaron Rodgers and the Patriots, uh, Packers, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and now they swept the Bucks. They can beat anybody. I mean, that's the, there's evidence right there. They get in the playoffs, they can win. They're, they're incredible on the road. Uh, they were the, the best road team in the league the last five years. So I think they could do damage if they get in, especially if they start getting their tackles back and some of these other guys on offense uh, to kind of help out. I, I think that defense keeps them in every game. And, um, and, and it'd be fun to watch. And just, I think the, the, the thing that's been most impressive to me about the Sean Payton era is that they're always relevant. They don't end up in those, games in December where you're out of it and you have nothing to play for. I think they've like a handful of those ever. 
Uh, and that's hard to do in a league where so much parity and, uh, you know, there's not much difference between the top of the league and the bottom. You're doing a season like the Saints have had. And the, thing, fa- the fact that they've hung in there and ground out wins and have stayed relevant or in the playoff race, given everything that's happened, is, is just incredible. There's only two other coaches in the league in this century that have, that have had seasons like the Saints have had for this consistent and their names are Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. Other than that, there's there's no one else that uh, that has been able to go through and and go through seasons where they're like you talk about, and they're they're always relevant in December. You're right. Um, we went through the three year stretch, but even the three year stretch of the seven and nine seasons, they were still relevant. They just didn't win. I mean, they still had chances okay. to to go to the playoffs. So even in 2015, which I thought was the the worst year probably of the Sean Payton era. Uh, if you don't count the year that it was that he was suspended, I mean, to me, it, it's kind of amazing what they continue to do year after year and how how they put this stuff together. And um, I, I mean, I agree with you. And I, I'm and I'm not usually the optimist. I'm trying to be a realist. I don't think this team is far away from from being not just a playoff team, but a Super Bowl contender. I think they're like four or five pieces away, that can be done in one year. Well, I, I, look, I think they got to get the quarterback situation solved. I mean, that that has got to be the top priority in the offseason. I think it will be the top priority in the offseason. I think they'll look at every option, and they'll consider trades, free agency, the draft. I, I think they'll turn over every stone. But if they get their quarterback fixed – They'll look just like the Patriots, in my opinion. Look at the Patriots. They get Mac Jones, they're right back in the mix. And I think that's the way the Saints will be. They'll be right back in the Super Bowl mix. Lastly, interestingly enough, if you look ahead, if the playoffs started today, the Saints would be seven and the Cowboys are two. But that's not the way it's going to finish out. I think if the Saints get in, they're going to get in in the seventh spot. And the interesting thing to me is I think there's an 80% chance if – that the two seed is going to be Tampa Bay. And wouldn't that be interesting if the Saints went out, get the seven seed, and go to Tampa Bay? I can tell you right now, the Bucs don't want – I mean, I'm not saying the Bucs wouldn't win because I'd probably predict the Bucs to win. But I can tell you right now, if they can pick any team out of a hat, they don't want to play in round number one. It's the 100%. New Orleans Saints. No, 100%. They're in their heads, man. I mean – you know, they didn't even came out and threw every down because they knew they couldn't run on them. I mean, they, you mentioned your friends texting about, um, you know, the fourth and one or whatever they did where they threw the bomb. Like, they, they got them just playing left-handed and, and, and overthinking everything. It's not that hard, but the, the, the Saints are clearly in their heads, and they want no part of them in the playoffs. No part of them, I guarantee you. That moment with, uh, look, C.D. Deuce can really piss people off. And when he just had his arms folded and Tom Brady looked at him and, and laughed like, who are you? Um, and then yeah. he picked him off after that. that. I mean, to me, that look, if the Saints do any, don't do anything else the rest of the season, and I, I've said it before, I mean, I, I, I cover this team in, in certain angles, but I'm still a fan. I, I, hope, I obviously want them to win. To me, that kind of made the season. If they don't win, if they don't go to the playoffs, that's going to be a moment that sticks in my head and, I just enjoy – I know he goes overboard sometimes, but watching that moment kind of – that was kind of fun. Yeah, you know, it's funny is we talked to C.J. Gardner-Johnston on Friday, and I asked him, I said, what's it, what's it like being 11-point underdogs? Man, he, he gave me that look. You know, he's a very cocky guy. And he's like, I don't care for 100-point underdogs. He said the underdog still ends up beating the big dog sometimes. I mean, he basically predicted it. He, he was just so confident. And I said to my column, maybe we should have listened to him. I mean, the voice of reason is C.J. Gardner John. That, that, that's insane. That's where we are right now. You know what? It's going to be a fun ride no matter what happens uh, the rest of the way. At least, you know, when they win um, and they put themselves in positions to, to make our jobs more enjoyable. I know they don't care about us, but, hey, it is definitely more fun when they win to, to, to write and, and talk about uh, the New Orleans Saints. It's more fun when they're relevant for me. Like, relevant, at least you're yeah. writing about something that matters, right? 
there's nothing worse. I can't imagine being like, uh, Jets. you know, one of those baseball beat writers on a team oh, that gosh, never competes. No and you're covering games in uh, September when you're 30 games out. The Saints are never in that. And that's, that is a tribute to Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, and the front office because uh, that's hard to do. And right now the Saints are still relevant. Somehow, some way, they found a way to still be relevant. You mean like being a Pelicans beat writer? <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Sorry, it's true, though. But I'm bummed. It's true, 82 games, and you got to deal with that. It's hard to do. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, I'm writing this follow-up column about Peyton today because I really believe even though he wasn't there, his fingerprints were all over that game. And, and what we're seeing, we should not take for granted. It's very, very rare, his coaching ability. I mean, he, he just joined the 150-win club. JD, he's the fifth fastest coach to get to 150 wins. And the other ones are, let me give you the list. Don Shula, George Hallis, Curly Lambeau, and Mike Tomlin. I mean, that's pretty rare company. That is insane. Um, well, everyone should go check out Jeff Duncan's column today. Again, I great minds think alike. Um, when I saw the alert right before I was sending you a text, I'm going to send you the link to get on the Zoom call here. Um, I just kind of kind of chuckled a little bit because it it's almost exactly what I had said for 20 minutes before I even got you to come on. So uh, I think we're thinking alike. And you know what? Maybe the city of New Orleans is thinking alike uh, the same way. And um, we thank you for spending your Monday morning with me and uh, and with, with everybody who listens to the show. And Merry Christmas to you, Dunk. Merry Christmas, J.D. Thanks for having me on, bud. We'll talk again soon, okay? Sounds good. Often an optimist, but um, we're thinking alike today. What is there not to be optimistic about, right? I mean, I, sh- I have proclaimed my skepticism to a bit, um, but this is the one coming up Monday. They can do it again Monday. Um, I don't see them losing the last two. I mean, they could prove me wrong, and um, they've lost games they shouldn't have lost this season already, but um, they're not they're not going to lose to Carolina or Atlanta if they win Monday. That that's my feelings, and you know, Dunk's right. I mean, I th- I think they still can get get in if they lose to Miami. And if you're if if you're going to lose one, then that Monday game would be the one to lose. But obviously, you don't want to lose any of them. You win the last three, and again, you have well over a 90% chance to make the playoffs. Um, Philadelphia would have to win one of either two of three. Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Minnesota would have to win out for the Saints not to make the playoffs if they win their last three games. So that's where we are. The Saints will open up. I'm looking at the lines now. Uh, Almost everyone has the Saints as a three-point favorite against Miami. I think that's about right. I actually thought it would be a little less than that, but that's about right. The over-under is extremely low. It's at 39 at Caesars, so that's that's extremely low. So they think it's going to be a defensive slugfest, and it very well could be. We'll talk about that uh, later on in the week, and actually we'll have um, – we're really going to spend most of the week um, – kind of talking uh, the rest of the week we'll talk about on Wednesday we're going to have our our uh, our regular Friday show because we're not going to have a Friday show so but uh, you know Duncan's number one point about the future of this team obviously is related to the quarterback position and you know we joke or whatever about Taysom and I've defended Taysom because he's the best option the Saints have right now there's zero doubt about that Anyone who doubts that Taysom Hill is not the best option at quarterback right now needs to go feed the pigeons on Sunday because he clearly is the best option for this team. He is not the future at quarterback, and I don't think anyone thinks that. Uh, And I don't think anyone in the organization thinks that. It is what it is. But for the rest of the season, it's number seven or forget it. I mean, that's where we are. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think the Saints can win three games with Taysom Hill at quarterback, three more games. Um, 
And then, like we said, in the, if they get in the playoffs, I think it would be fun. I mean, of all the options on who you could play, the Saints match up the best with the Buccaneers. There's no question. You don't want to go to Green Bay again. Uh, well, not again. You don't want to play Green Bay, not at this part of the season. You certainly don't want to go to Green Bay. They don't match up well with Dallas, um, I don't think. Um, completely different team. And they definitely don't match up well with the Arizona Cardinals. Although the Cardinals look like they might, the Rams may end up winning that division. And I think they have a good chance to do that. Um, they match up a little better with the Rams and the Cardinals. But the Saints don't play well against run, running quarterbacks. Elusive quarterbacks, I should say, because Kyler Murray is not necessarily a running quarterback. He's an elusive quarterback. Uh, they've shown that with Jalen Hurts and, and whatever. But let's don't put the card ahead of the horse. Long way to go before then. That is going to do it uh, for episode number 30, 37. I want to thank Jeff Duncan for spending part of his Monday morning with me. Monday mornings are very busy, very busy time for those who cover an NFL team. And Dunk has been the go-to guy for us for the day after games throughout the season because many of you have told me that's who, that's who you want to hear. So, uh, again, I thank him for obliging any time he can. Just a reminder of our programming note with the two holiday weeks, this week and next week, we will only have two shows this week and next, both on Monday, like today, and Wednesday. There will be no show on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. I don't want to subject your house guests to hearing me. <laughs> a reminder, you can reach me at jderry at the advocate and on Twitter at Jim Derry Jr. You can listen to this podcast in a multitude of places wherever you're listening now. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Uh, search for Datitude. Hit subscribe. You'll know when the newest episodes are out. And you can also hear it on bet.nola.com and some of the stories that we publish. I'll embed the code in there as well. Also, don't forget to watch our many shows here on bet.nola.com. Odds and ends on Mondays later today. I will be on with Zach Ewing and Devin Jackson. This afternoon to review the previous weekend of football, we'll talk, be talking a lot about bowl games as well. We've got the big bowl game contest between uh, Devin, uh, Zach, and Spencer Urquhart. That's fun. Go check that out on bet.nola.com as well as on Tuesdays, the Fantasy Roundup Show and At the Book on Thursdays featuring Cashing In with Carville. On Wednesday, we will have Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick on two days early. Uncle Big Nick having a big week this weekend. And we'll have fun with our Christmas show. I am sure we'll all still be gloating a little bit. Next Monday on December the 27th, we'll have a short show, a preview of the Saints-Dolphins on Monday Night Football. We will figure out the December 29th show next week. That's a long way away, right? And as I go out and play the theme song of the day, remember when I told you my wife asked me what the song would be today? She said she never heard of it. Am I that old or some of y'all hadn't heard of The Fix before? It's the 80s, man. Come on. Saved by zero. We were, the Saints were most certainly saved by zero last night. Anyway, we're going to go out by saying, enjoy your holiday week. And how can you not after last night, right? Everyone, please enjoy your family time. If you're anything like me, you don't get enough of it. You don't spend enough time with your wife or your significant other and your kids. Give them all a hug and a kiss. See you all on Wednesday with one last Christmas present. For you all, peace and love, my friends.